Welcome to Mission in Action, the audio experience for Newground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change. We are a nonprofit with a vision of an American society where Muslims and Jews are empowered to create lasting partnerships and engage in authentic communication and mutual cooperation. On this podcast, you'll find a mix of our keynotes, workshops, interviews, speeches, and other audio from events led by our team. This week's episode is from Newground's 2013 Spotlight Storytelling event. Our speaker is Greg Levine, and his story is entitled, The Night I Died. We hope you enjoy. This is uh, called The Night I Died. Uh, The Night I Died was a Saturday night. It was June 14th, 2008, and it was at a Crosby, Stills, and Nash concert. I'm going to explain everything. Crosby, Stills, and Nash is my favorite band. Ever since I took a course on classic rock in college and first heard their song, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, I was hooked. Now, if you aren't familiar with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I'll explain. Picture a group like um, Maroon 5 or like One Direction, um, but add in like a whole bunch of actual musical talent, um, (laughs) and that's them. Let's go back to my death. But first, I need to admit something to you. At the time of this concert, I had some uh, pot cookies at my apartment. Uh, I threw a party, and someone brought them over and left them there. Uh, I don't eat those. I have a very, um, how do you say this, a very Jewish stomach. Um, Anyway, when it came time to putting those snacks together uh, for... uh, putting snacks together to take to this concert, I was going to grab some leftover non-marijuana cookies that I made for the party. And um, I think you can see where this is going. Like out of a scene uh, from a very special episode of uh, Full House, uh, I grabbed the wrong cookies. Uh, My friend Amanda and I go to the Greek theater in Los Feliz for the concert. Uh, The lights dim and three octogenarians come on stage and start rocking out. And Amanda and I eat the cookies. Well, the first half of the concert was amazing. (laughs) Like, not only the best concert I had ever been to, uh, it truly felt at the time like I was witnessing the best thing humanity had ever done. (laughs) And then I got super, super hungry. And shockingly, that's when I realized it. Crap, I'm stoned. Amanda, I said, we just ate some pot cookies. We took a walk at intermission to the concession stand where Amanda bought some french fries, and I paced back and forth, seriously feeling the effects of the the marijuana. We returned to our seats, and the band came back on. But all I could concentrate on was how high I felt, like uncomfortably so. I looked over at Amanda to see if she was feeling the same way, and she's chain-smoking french fries. (laughs) I put my head between my legs and took some deep breaths, trying to unhigh myself. Uh, Greg, are you okay? Amanda asked me. I said, I think we need to leave. Or so I thought I said that. Instead, I just smiled and silently stared at Amanda for like 10 seconds. I think that was indication enough that we needed to go. We walked to her car for 20 minutes, but then I looked at my watch and realized only 30 seconds had actually gone by. I was freaking out. It felt like my heart was beating nonstop. I put my finger right behind my ear to feel my artery, you know, to figure out what my pulse was, and I didn't have a pulse. 
like there was nothing. Uh, I screamed, my heart's not beating. <laughs> now, words to the wise, there's a large, uh, large portion of your neck that isn't an artery and does not have a pulse like everything else. I said to Amanda, I kid you not, I said, I need a medic. Like, where, where was I? I was walking the hills of Los Feliz, not storming the beaches at Normandy. <laughs> we walk into the medic office and I say, I ate some pot cookies, I don't have a pulse, and I'm dying. <laughs> now, I'm no doctor, but I have a thought, I, I, I thought this was a pretty sound triage of my situation. Uh, as the medic starts taking my blood pressure, I feel this calm just start to wash over me. A feeling I can only liken to your parents tucking you in at night. It was, it was beautiful, actually. I could feel myself slowly slipping away. My eyelids grew heavier and heavier. I turned to Amanda and said, Amanda, I'm dying. <laughs> but it's okay. This is how it happens for me. This is my time. A vision started to form in my mind. I saw myself at the beach, a place I hate, by the way. And I was slowly, confidently walking into the ocean. Into the ocean. Oh no, Greg, Greg, Amanda said through tears. I said, it's okay, this is it. Tell my family, tell everyone, I love you all very much. It got brighter and brighter and brighter and then I died. And then I woke up, <laughs> and the medic was still taking my blood pressure. <laughs> and then I died again. And then I woke up, and I was surrounded by paramedics asking me what I took. And then I died again. And then I woke up, and I was being wheeled into an ambulance. And then I died again. And then I woke up, <laughs> and I was in a hospital room, surrounded by my best friends, and then I died. And then I woke up in my apartment, in my own bed, and I thought, oh, hell yes. That was all a dream. I took a deep sigh of relief, and then I felt something on my chest. It was a leftover heart monitor pad and I realized this dream was a nightmare, and it was very, very real. And that's the end of the story, or so I thought. <laughs> because later that day, all of those blacked-out holes between and then I died got filled in. So let's uh, go back to when the paramedics asked me what I took. I pass out, and Amanda calls our friend Sarah to tell her what's going on. Greg had a bad reaction to some pot cookies, and he's going to be taken to the hospital. Sarah abruptly ends the date she was on and heads to the hospital. Fast forward to me being wheeled into the ambulance and then I pass out. Apparently I was scared to be alone, so Amanda, who is fine for some reason, uh, rides with me in the ambulance. She and Sarah call the other friends in our group to tell them what's going on. Uh, they all proceed to drop whatever it is they are doing. I think actually one of them was asleep in bed and they all head to the hospital too. It's now like uh, one in the morning and I'm drugged up on the Ativan they pumped into my system. My friends are all in the room on vigil duty. Apparently I'm so out of it, 
At one point, I sang along to the beep of the heart monitor machine. Uh, later, the nurse walks in to kick everyone out and says something like, Greg told me earlier that when he wakes up, we should call Julie. That's my mom. Everyone at the same time apparently shouts, no! Call Justin, one of my friends who's there. Uh, Justin will come and pick him up. Around five in the morning, I'm finally able to leave. Uh, Justin comes like a trooper, picks me up and takes me home. And now we're caught up back to the moment I feel the heart monitor pad on my chest as the weight of reality starts sinking into my brain. So let me be the one to say it, because I'm up here and this is my story. What an amazing group of friends I have. I was a friend in need, and they were friends indeed. Friends who had my back, friends who literally stood up for me when all I could do was slink to the floor and die. As this story has been told over the years, the craziness and ridiculousness is what people hear, but what people don't always get is how lucky I felt and feel for these amazing friends I have. They stood up for me. It's why I never take something like standing up for the other lying down. I feel so lucky and grateful and honored to have experienced true selfless friendship. And there's another reason I feel so lucky. It's because I got a second chance, you know, a new lease on life. Because the night I died is actually the night I learned what was worth living for. Thank you. Hi, I'm Aziza Hassan, the executive director of Newground, a Muslim Jewish partnership for change. Thank you for sharing your time with us today and for listening to this episode of our podcast. At Newground, we believe that conflict is natural and inevitable, yet not intractable, no matter the history. Being stuck is a choice. That's why we build relationships between Muslims and Jews so that they can transform their communities through lasting partnerships. If you'd like to learn more about our mission or support this podcast and Newground's work, please visit mjnewground.org. That's M for Muslim, J for Jew, newground.org. Or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you.